Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for this episode of the show. After a lot of drama and confusion, New York has new congressional district maps that are now in effect for primary elections set for June and the fall general election this year. Some districts have changed quite a lot, a necessity given New York lost one seat from its congressional delegation based on the 2020 census and other population shifts in the once a decade process. This has set off additional fascinating and important political developments in terms of who is running to represent which congressional district. In other words, who's seeking to be the representative to the U.S. House of Representatives for which communities of New York. Not to mention, this whole process has likely given another jolt to New Yorkers' trust in government, upended lots and lots of lives, including the people that are often unseen who work on various campaigns and in various government offices. There's quite a few changes and races to dig into in the coming weeks and months, but today we're looking at one in particular that has some major broader implications, including related to Democrats' attempt to hold their current slim majority in the House, leadership of those campaign efforts, the push and pull between moderate and progressive Democrats, some of the musical chairs we're seeing play out in candidacies around the city and state and more. My guest today here on Tuesday, May 24th, 2022, is a candidate for Congress in a very interesting race. State Senator Alessandra Biaggi is a Democrat who currently represents the 34th State Senate District, covering parts of the Bronx and Westchester, and is now running for Congress in the new 17th Congressional District in the Hudson Valley. She's running in the 17th Congressional District Democratic primary set for August against Representative Sean Patrick Maloney who currently represents New York's 18th congressional district in Congress. Confused? <laughs> well, we'll help you sort it out here. Maloney is also the chair of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC, and he's ruffled a lot of feathers with his decision to run in the new 17th district as opposed to the new 18th district. The 18th district retains much more of his current congressional district, but he does live in the new 17th district. When the court-appointed map maker released draft maps last week, which were altered some in the final maps approved this past weekend, Maloney announced he would run in the new 17th district, which he said includes his home and many of the Hudson Valley communities he currently represents. This set off a firestorm of criticism and changing plans for several candidates and officeholders, including my guest here today, Alessandra Biaggi. The new 17th district includes Hudson Valley areas like Rockland and Putnam counties, northern Westchester County, southern Dutchess County. And the 17th district right now is represented by Congressman Mondaire Jones, who, since Sean Patrick Maloney's announcement, has criticized Maloney but opted not to run against him, even though the new 17th district retains much of Jones's current district, a lot more than Maloney's. And in apparent reference to Jones, Maloney did also note that he said he was the only sitting member of Congress who currently lives in the region on 17th, but that's not a prerequisite for running to represent a district. And Jones, instead of uh, staying put and taking on Maloney, has now said he's going to run in the new 10th congressional district, which is in New York City. So that helped provoked my guest here, Alessandra Biaggi, to run in the 17th against Sean Patrick Maloney. And she will explain that decision here on the show in just a minute. 
and how she thinks she can win in August and then November. My conversation with state senator and congressional candidate Alessandra Biagi in just a moment. First, very quickly, if you've missed any of our recent reporting at Gotham Gazette, find us at GothamGazette.com. We have a whole lot of good coverage of what's happening in New York state and city politics and a little bit of federal politics that mixes in, of course. And here on Max Politics in recent weeks and months, some great conversations with a whole variety of guests on things like how to make New York City a more bike friendly city with a leading advocate some elected officials like Assemblymember Karinas Reyes, uh, who is also a registered nurse on New York abortion rights and the potential post Roe v. Wade future, some leading advocates related to New York City's housing crisis, city council members, and a whole bunch of other great guests. Find any and all of those episodes at Max Politics wherever you get podcasts. And we also have them all at the Gotham Gazette site. All right. My guest today, State Senator Alessandra Biagi, is now a candidate for New York's new 17th Congressional District. She's currently chair of the State Senate Committee on Ethics and has focused in part in her time in the State Senate on government ethics and transparency, preventing sexual harassment in the workplace and other key issues. Senator Biagi, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on, Mac Ben. Ben, I'm looking. I'm looking at your last name. I'm saying Max. <laughs> Thank um, you, Ben, for having. Happens me. all the time. No problem. Uh, so <laughs> I'm actually just for full disclosure. I'm used to referring to you as Ben Max. So okay. Well, that happens a lot too. So um, either one is good, or all three. Um, so I tried. To, you know, people's heads are probably spinning from that introduction. But part of the reason I gave it all like that is because it is so complicated. And, and you know, that gives a sense of, of a lot of the machinations involved. But also when this comes down to it, we also are talking about who is going to represent people in their government. There's elections every year, every couple of years, depending on the, the, the seats and the races and which you know elections are up. But this is about representation in government and people trying to uh, represent New Yorkers. So you are now running in the 17th Congressional District. Why? Well, first of all, let me just say that I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk about uh, my decision and also just the chaos, because really there is no other word to describe this redistricting process. Um, For how you described it, I think was incredibly articulate. And for the people who are listening, I just want to be very clear that even as someone who is Inside here, elected as a state senator, part of you know the understandings and the machinations of government, I have had a hard time following along as well. Um, and it's very confusing for voters because people, a lot of people, will know who represents them. And then when elections come, they'll see that maybe there are new candidates. But when the lines change, it is a very confusing narrative because you might have a current representative, but be voting for somebody that is new because that representative has moved to a new place. And now that this has happened about five or six times, I have to tell you, I think it's it, it the biggest concern that I have had is that it feels like it's going to suppress the vote because now our elections are even split. We have the assembly elections in June with the governor's race. And then we have the Senate, state Senate and the congressional 
races in August. And August, as we know, is a month where a lot of people are out of town or away. And so I'm just concerned, of course, as many people are about voter turnout. But to get to your question, (laughs) I wanted to make sure I prefaced it with that. That's good. Good context. (laughs) Um, So I am um, running in New York 17 um, for the same exact reasons that I was running in New York 3. Um, And the reason I'm not running in New York 3, just for those who are probably like, wait, we were running in New York 3. New York 3, the lines changed significantly when the new lines came out and were actually finalized and did not have Westchester County um, connected to it anymore. I decided that it just, it didn't feel right. And so I decided not to run in New York three. Now I did I not cut that. I cut that from my introduction, which was long enough. I know. <laughs> I was again, gonna, not to add more confusion. I'm sorry, Ben. No, no, no. no it's <laughs> good because people, people will, will, you know, some people certainly, of course, saw that you were running for Congress in the third district right? and and now are no longer. And that's a good reason why. Yes. Okay. So I just wanted to make that very clear. Yes. Um, so this New York 17 district um, is a new district, as you mentioned. Um, it's also an open seat. Why? Because the incumbent representative Mondaire Jones is now running in Manhattan and New York, Manhattan and Brooklyn and New York 10. And so because the incumbent is not Sean Patrick Maloney, because he is the representative of, of District 18, this is an open seat, open primary. And so part of my consideration um, is actually very much based on that. In addition to the fact um, that, as I mentioned, the same reasons as I was running for New York 3, I feel like there is an incredible amount of um, urgency that is needed in our leaders around a lot of issues. I'm not I'm not about to say anything that nobody has heard before, but I think that, that there are a lot of new and progressive and young leaders who feel like we are not acting fast enough on things like the climate crisis, on things like making sure that Roe v. Wade is the law of the land, making sure that we're even talking about the issue of abortion, um, you know, in, in the last you know few years, let alone last few months with urgency, um, really focusing on things like healthcare and getting access to prescription drugs that do not bankrupt all of us. You know, these are just basic things that I feel like we're not moving fast enough. And why that that has really motivated me to run is because we have all the power right now in Washington. Democrats control the House, they control the Senate, they control the White House. And I am not alone in feeling like, you know, we've all voted, we all knocked on doors, we all did postcards and phone banks and like please use your power. And, you know, I understand the mechanisms of the Senate and the filibuster and all of that and the people standing in the way. It's not that that aside, notwithstanding that there is what I feel like a lack of urgency in a lot of people to even feel a a human emotion that is felt amongst so many people because of some of the issues I just mentioned and the lack of effort and progress on that. And so that is like, for me, fundamental to why I even ran in 2018. I felt like, I was not being represented by somebody who reflected my values. I was not being represented by somebody who even cared about, you know, standing for the things that I that I cared about and frankly was really self-empowering um, and, and really self-promoting. And when we look at CD17, you know, part of what has really, I think, outraged me and many others um, is the fact that... Number one, CD17 had an excellent representative in Mondaire Jones. He not only represented that district well, but he was beloved there. And to have the head of the campaign arm of the Democratic Congressional Committee push out 
the current representative, whose job, by the way, it is to actually maximize the number of seats in Congress to make sure that we hold on to as close of a majority as we possibly can, is outrageous. It's completely outrageous. And I think it sends a terrible signal to the Democrats across the country who are running in tough races in really challenging districts that the head of our campaign committee for the Democratic Congressional Committee is actually running away from a tough fight to have an easier one when he has access to all the resources he possibly could get. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, this is an election where there will be a very clear choice. I'm sure we'll get into it in more detail, but you know, voters can have um, a say and vote for someone who is a progressive Democrat who actually has a record of making progress um, and standing up to really difficult, challenging special interests um, in a way that actually delivers results. Or they can vote for a selfish, selfish corporate Democrat who clearly only cares about himself. And I think that that is not what um, many people desire, obviously we'll vote and we'll see, but the, at the end of the day, it's not what I desire. And I'm taking a stand for what I know are popular policies and issues that people care about. Mm. Let me give a, a tiny bit more context here. According to an analysis from the Daily Coast, the new New York 17 is made up of about 73% of what was the 17th congressional district under the current lines, which will soon become the old lines represented by Mondaire Jones and about 25% of Sean Patrick Maloney's 18th district, current one, while the new 18th district is about 71% of Congressman Maloney's uh, current district. So again, as we noted, Sean Patrick Maloney lives in what will be the new 17th. So th there's you know something to that, certainly, uh, someone who's lived in that area for a very long time and represented the area. But as, as the way the districts go, uh, clearly, most of his current district is going to remain in what will be New York 18. And Mondaire Jones's current 17th district is a just about three quarters of what will make up the new 17th. Um, also, yeah, for, just comment on one thing. Please, that you said sure. About? OK, so one, it's, I think it's important just for your listeners to know. Um, Let me just say real quick, if anybody yes. listening wants to follow along, you can find great maps at um, the redistricting in you site from the CUNY mapping service. I, I believe if you Google redistricting in you New York, uh, it'll come up for you and you can you can choose district 17 and you can look at the map of the of the new district that's in place. You can do some comparisons. You can see the demographics of the district. There's other places to find the maps as well with information, including from the quote unquote special master who drew the maps. His website has it all. You could see demographic data for the new 17 population data. Virtually all of the New York congressional districts have to have about the same population, uh, about 777,000 people. Um, so folks can can look that up if they'd like to pause the conversation as they're listening to the podcast and then be able to follow along with the district lines. Senator Biagi, go ahead with what you're going to say. Thank you. Um, that and I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people are actually wondering where can I go see these maps? Yes. It's not very clear either. So again, another unfortunate block for frankly democracy to just work easily, which I think most people just want. They want to make sure that they can have access to their government and know what's going on. It's not really asking for much, but I'm digressing. So hmm. on the point of um, of living in the district and the fact that he does, um, before his first run, he actually moved 
in, moved to run into the district he previously represented. Um, I look forward to moving into CD17, but I will just also let your listeners and also New Yorkers know um, that I have lived in Westchester for most of my life. And a large part of this district includes Westchester County, Northern Westchester County. I've represented it for four years. Um, and so, yes, I think that it's important to point that out, but also... Um, not, not, not a stranger to the other person running in this race, not, sure. a, not a strange insight or say, say just a little bit more. I mean, you know, most of our li- listeners and our audience at Gotham Gazette is in the five boroughs, but lots of people around the state are also interested in our reporting on state and federal politics. Um, I think this conversation will of course entice plenty, plenty of listeners who are interested in this race, but say a little bit more about, you know, you, you, you don't currently live in this 17th congressional district. You look forward to moving into it, as you said, but say more about, um, your, you know, what you feel are your connections to the district and how you feel like your platform here will contrast with Sean Patrick Maloney's to, you know, better appeal to the Democratic voters of the district. Sure. So I live in Westchester County. I've grown up in Westchester County um, and spent a lot of my not only childhood, but also adult life living here. And again, I've represented um, a part of it in the state Senate for the past four years. For those, again, who are listening, when you represent a little part of a place, there really is no such thing. Right. I represent I represent a sliver of Mount Vernon. But really what that means is I'm involved in all of the things that um, happen in Mount Vernon. And it's the same thing with Westchester County and the Westchester County delegation in the state Senate um, and also in the assembly are very close knit, are very well connected in how we make decisions um, and have a really strong and working relationship with the Westchester County government, County Board of Legislators, as well as the County Executive George Latimer and his deputy. And so when we take on issues, we're taking them on and working on them for all of Westchester County and frankly, all of of New York State, but to be more specific, all of Westchester County. Um, And so, you know, Northern Westchester is what is in this district. And that is the that is the area that I look forward to moving into. I'm actually looking at places with my husband as we speak. And so that will take some time. But that is our plan. And it's our plan. No matter what this race is, that is the place that we really want to live. And so we're really excited about that. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to the differences in myself and in Sean Patrick Maloney. Um, I think that there are many, but I think there are two to highlight for you just to be really succinct and to the point. Um, the first one, um, I think when it comes down to healthcare, I mean, I stand for Medicare for all. Um, my understanding is that he does not, but even more importantly, when he was first elected, he oftentimes voted with Republicans to slow down Obamacare, also known as the Affordable Care Act, um, and then, frankly, didn't have the courage to say to to voters and to people whether or not he would vote for it if it came to the floor um, and repeatedly um, really dodged the issue. And I find that to be, frankly, um, just outrageous in, in the context of what wins the Democratic Party has has had. Obamacare is one of the most important policies that I think any Democratic administration has passed. It has helped not just Democrats, but people across this country. And it's something that I think makes our party very proud. And so the fact that he stood in the way of that um, is frankly outrageous. Um, I will also say because of what day it is, it's Tuesday, May 24th, 2022. There are elections going on across this country. Specifically, there's an election going on, a runoff election in Texas between Cuellar as well as Cisneros. Um, Right now, the DCCC is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to um, help reelect an anti-abortion 
Democrat, which, by the way, I feel like is very much, um, you know, a, an oxymoron. I don't know how you could be an anti-abortion Democrat, because I know that to be a Democrat means you stand for the right to have an abortion. You stand for the fact that abortion is health care. Um, and so that stands completely opposed to everything that I represent and have led on, because, frankly, the re- only reason I'm here talking to you as a state senator is because in 2018, I ran against somebody who was blocking a bill to codify Roe v. Wade to make Roe v. Wade the law in New York. And part of, I think, what motivated people was the fact that New York didn't have that law and they couldn't, people couldn't even believe it because it's the state of New York and people think of this as a place where we have progressive values and protect people. And so the fact that we have the head of, you know, the congressional campaign arm spending hundreds of thousands of Democratic activist dollars to reelect somebody who doesn't actually want to protect the right to choose is frankly, it's, it's just, it's, it's, un, it's, it's, I, I don't even have words, as you can see, it doesn't even make any sense to me, but it also is not the best of what this party is. And it's certainly not the future of this party. A little more context here for folks listening. The new New York 17, where my guest, Alessandra Biagi, is running in the Democratic primary against uh, Sean Patrick Maloney, sitting congressman from the eight, current 18th district. Um, and the 18th district, which we'll, we'll see exactly what that field winds up shaping out to be now that Sean Patrick Maloney is, is, is moving districts, um, both are considered by that court-ordered special master who drew the districts. Both are considered, quote-unquote, competitive. Uh, they, they lean Democratic. They're definitely um, you know, likely to be Democratic seats, but they are both considered uh, competitive races for general election purposes. And obviously, Republicans are, are uh, expecting a strong year, and Democrats are trying to fend that off. Ooh, let's get back to that in a minute. Let me ask you, uh, State Senator Biagi, did you speak with Mondaire Jones? Did you check in with him before declaring your candidacy here to say, hey, are you really sure? Are you definitely going to New York 10? Uh, you know, did you have any conversation with him? Well, I did. I, of course, I called him. Um, he is also a friend of mine, and I wanted to make sure that he knew so that he didn't read about it in the newspaper or on Twitter. Um, and I let him know. I think, you know, if if one knows Mondaire, once his mind is made up, his mind is made up, obviously, you know, with, you know, some um, caveat that anybody can change their mind at any time to do anything, but he seems very set on running in New York 10. Um, and of course I checked in with him um, mm-hmm. and yeah, wanted to make sure that he knew. What did he, did he give you any particular advice you can share? No advice to share uh-huh. on okay. this podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to, I think I'm already talking with his, his people. I think I'm going to have him on the show uh, later this week. We'll see. So uh, we'll be interested to talk with him about his bid in, to run in New York 10 uh, in the city. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that with him and I'll ask him if he, if he will share any of the advice he, he may have given to you. Um, how do you win this race? You, um, in some ways, obviously quickly turn a lot of heads by jumping into it because there was so much backlash from especially progressive circles, Uh, some very interesting outspokenness from other members of the New York delegation against Sean Patrick Maloney's decision here to run in the new 17. And as you've said, you know, in effect, push out Mondaire Jones, although some people wanted him to stay and, and run, um, 
you've obviously become, you know, by doing this even more of a, of a progressive hero, uh, as you previously were for ousting uh, Jeff Klein, as you were referring to and, and discussing in the Independent Democratic Conference of the State Senate. But you got to win this primary. What does that look like? How do you do it? Um, you know, running for Congress, you've got a, a big district here to get to know even better, to appeal to Democratic voters. Are you going to get the kind of support from the progressive left that you need? Um, How do you win this race? So one thing I actually forgot to mention in your question of like, what is your connection to the district? Um, I actually have family in this district as well um, in the Dutchess County portion of this district. My mom's side of the family lives there. um, And I actually have spent a lot of um, my youth in Dutchess County at the fair and amongst other doing amongst other things there. But I will just, I, the reason I say that is because as I'm saying this to you, I'm sure people are thinking, well, I've also heard her say that about the Bronx in a very large Italian family, you spend about 90% of your life with your family members. And about 10% of that time is divided into time for yourself and then time for friends. Um, And that has really, I think, been why the foundation of my leadership is very much rooted in my family, but not to digress from there. Um, just to really, I think, get on point here, you know, the way that you win a race like this, especially when um, there is someone who is so self-interested is by building a coalition of people from the ground up. It's exactly what we did in 2018 and making sure that that coalition represents the communities that you wish to represent and that everybody feels as if they are included in the process. And you are also not just building a coalition and knocking on doors and, you know, making phone calls and writing postcards and doing whatever you have to do, but that you are also talking about and speaking about the issues that people are thinking about every single day. And not just that even, I think the final point of that, which I'm really, really it's coming into clear vision for me is that it has to be authentic. You have to not only come to someone and say, not only do I care about this thing, not only will I fight for this, but I I have a proven record to show you that I have fought for this and we've won on some of these issues. And that's how I know it's possible at the federal level, because we did it in a place like New York, where the political landscape is not always easy. And frankly, our former governor made it incredibly hard, incredibly hard for the legislature to pass things that really made a difference in New Yorkers lives, things like rent reform, things like really making sure that we were protecting our immigrant families and allowing for them to have access to higher education and and things like driver's licenses, you know, making sure that we're actually standing for those things. And so people can feel like there's a little bit of trust or there's a sense of trust or they can at least, um, you know, feel like you hear and see them and honor them and, and the struggles that they also are going through. And so for me, it's really a combination of those factors. And and really, there's no shortcut to hard work, you have to literally hit the ground running and knock on as many doors and talk to as many people as possible. Um, and so I really do plan to run and win in the same exact way that I ran and won in 2018, where I was outspent um, and really underestimated um, in a way that um, I think, hopefully at least, changed the game to prove that it's not just about dollars. We were outspent 10 to one. We had an army of people who knocked on doors and we won by almost 10 points because people really at the end of the day are where the power comes from. 
you're already calling Sean Patrick Maloney a corporate Democrat, uh, selfish yeah. about his choice to, you know, to run in the district, but also, you know, calling him a corporate Democrat, pointing to some of the issues that you pointed to when you uh, I asked you to differentiate yourselves, especially on issues related to health care. Um, but he's he you know, he's going to paint you as as an outsider to the area. He's going to paint you probably as too far left for voters of the district. Do you need to moderate it all as you run this race? Do you need to sort of, you know, uh, elected officials? It's a combination, right? You put out a vision, you hope voters respond to it. But at the same time, you also listen to the voters you're hoping to appeal to. And that's what is also helps you inform your platform. Do you, do you need to sort of recalibrate some from being, you know, a little further the, the progressive left that you've been, or or do you think the district voters in the district, especially in a Democratic primary, will respond well to sort of where you've been on the political spectrum? So what I will say is that I am very um, clear on the fact that the only way that I know how to run and win is as myself. Um, any other way would be not only inauthentic, but it would be completely with a lack of integrity. And, and in addition to that, you know, when the Democratic Party was wondering why are people not voting? Why are they not? Why are they not turning out? Like what's going on here? Part of why that is, is because I believe because I again, I am also a voter. I might be a state senator, but I also do vote and decide who I'm going to vote for in certain elections, too. What makes me excited to vote, even though I will always vote, is when someone is bringing to me something that is bold, something that brings me to life, something that makes me feel like I, you know, can trust that this person, even if they don't get it done right away, will actually fight to make sure that the thing that they are fighting for is at the top of the conversation. And so much, I think, of what is happening right now is that we have such a lack of Democrats who are willing to take bold positions or bold stands. And at the end of the day, people are not voting for that because nothing that is being brought to them is something that's activating them or making them even feel like it matters. You know, I'll just very quickly go to the elections that just happened on Long Island in 2021. Um, You know, there's this constant... Um, pointing to those elections is like, well, Democrats, you know, a red wave and oh my gosh, and Democrats lost because of like criminal justice reform and all the things that Democrats did. No, the Democrats who ran on Long Island could not have been with the exception perhaps of my colleague, Todd Kaminsky, who is in support of bail reform. Um, and we do stand, I think, differently on the nuances of it, but is is pretty in, much in support of it. But what I will say is that the other candidates in the race could not have been more anti-bail reform and they lost. So part of, I think, what comes through is that, number one, if you're a Democratic voter and you're thinking to yourself, OK, who should I vote for? If somebody doesn't even sound like a Democrat, if they don't even bring to you policies that resemble a Democrat, but even maybe resemble a Republican, why would you vote? What exactly would you think this person would bring that would change your life or change your community or change your state? In addition to the fact, the last point I'll just make is that the things that I represent and stand for are very popular amongst Americans. And, you know, abortion is one of them. It has a 70% approval rating, which means that it's not just Democrats, it's independents and it's also Republicans. And I think it's important that we all um, recognize that so much of what we're standing for are basic needs and necessities to allow for people to thrive. Everybody wants their kids to go 
to a school that's fully funded. If that is considered too far left, then I think we're in a lot of trouble. You know, having clean air and clean water, if that's too far left, again, I think we're in a lot of trouble. Protecting our environment, making sure that we're actually doing everything that we can and taking advantage of every opportunity possible to turn it up on really making sure we have alternative energy sources. Well, then, you know, that might be too left for somebody, but at the end of the day, we're not going to have an earth that's habitable because we're not working and acting with urgency. Are you going to be able to make this race sort of uh, this, you know, really high profile um, sort of referendum on uh, the left versus the center and the vision for Democrats? Are you going to be able to, you know, make this something where you get support from, you know, uh, Congress members like Jamal Bowman and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, who, you know, I would think would be easier gets than, than some others, but that, that would also be them, you know, they've been critical of Sean Patrick Maloney, but that would be them going against, you know, one of their current colleagues. And then are you going to be able to, you know, do you think you can make this sort of a, a New York and even beyond moment or, you know, Sean Patrick Maloney is not, you know, he's not a conservative Democrat in, in, you know, in most manners of speaking. I mean, this is not someone who, you know, lots of Democrats seem to want out of the House. I mean, you know, pretty much the opposite, considering he's running the DCCC. Can you make this a big movement race or do you think it's going to be much more just boots on the ground? I got to win this, you know, by, uh, you know, getting local and I can't worry about that. I think that this is a race that represents um, a clear option to bring the party in a different direction. And I, I really want to be very clear that the two pillars for me of this race that are present are the policies that I stand for and the things that I will fight for in Washington, things that I have already done in New York and in Albany. But in addition to that, it's not just about the policy. It's about Who's behind the policy? Who are the people championing the policies? And who are the people leading our party? And and part of why I emphasize that second point is because when you have the threat against our democracy that we have, we see it every day with people who have been either endorsed by or elected with the help of Donald Trump, who continue to deny election results from the 2020 presidential election, trying to and and introducing bills that roll back the ability to vote, to increase voter suppression, who are going against and and frankly destroying um, not only abortion rights, but they are literally making it illegal to have an abortion or attacking the LGBTQ community. At the end of the day, if that does not make you feel like something has to change on our side, then I I don't know what to say because with the leadership that we have, it's not working. We are not dealing with a traditional Republican party. We are dealing with a party that has completely lost its way. And the old playbook of the Democrats is not gonna work. And so we do need new leadership. I think people feel that not just in New York, across the whole country, because people are feeling like, what is it gonna take for this party to realize that we are not actually dealing with good faith actors and that we have to do whatever it takes for good, just like they do whatever it takes for evil and for bad to protect 
Americans and this demo- and this democracy and all of the rights that we've fought for literal decades to ensure and protect. So I think it is possible, but I will just say that I'm not thinking, you know, this is a campaign that we're going to have a movement and it has to be a national movement. I'm thinking I want to make sure that the people in this district feel like they have an option to have a representative that will be their champion, that will not actually champion corporations um, because I actually don't believe the corporations are people, even though the Supreme Court has ruled that they are. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day, but really believes that this is this is someone that they can trust will do everything that they can and speak out when it is incredibly unpopular, which I have a track record of doing, because it's in their best interest, not in mine. You are listening to Max Politics here with Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm speaking with State Senator Alessandra Biaggi, who is now a candidate for Congress in the Democratic primary in the newly drawn New York 17th congressional district, including parts of the Hudson Valley, and is going to be in a primary there with Sean Patrick Maloney, who currently reps the 18th district in the House in New York. Uh, last couple of minutes here, State Senator Biagi, and appreciate the time. I know you're also busy with the end of session in Albany. I'm going to ask you a very short uh, question at the end about that. But um, uh, last couple of quick questions. The We both got it this early in this conversation. This redistricting process in New York has been a mess. It's been terrible for democracy. It's been terrible for New Yorkers' faith in in government. Uh, A lot of that might get wiped away because, you know, then we have the new maps and people get into, you know, the future and, and, and keep going. But there's some real issues there. Is there one thing that you'd point to that New York Democrats got wrong here in the redistricting uh, process and and decision making? Is there one major error here that made this such a messy process? Hmm, What a great question. I don't know that there's just one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there are several things, but I will just I'll point to two if that's okay. Sure, sure, sure. You no, know, the the premise upon which we were drawing the lines was the independent independent redistricting commission, which was set up years ago, way before my time, um, which was really led by the state senate Republicans or the Republicans in the legislature, and it is and was a commission that attempted to be independent. But if you really look behind the surface of what this commission did, it created an equal parts, which makes sense. You have equal parts Democrats who are appointed to this, equal parts Republicans who are appointed to this, who then they, the Democrat, the Democratic appointees draw the map that they want. The Republican appointees draw the map that they want, or they believe is fair, I should say, not they want, they think it's fair. And then they come together and nobody can really agree on anything. So they have to go back to the drawing board and they have to do it again and again until that happens. Well, what do you think will happen in a situation where you have equal parts The problem, and I think the thing that's missing here is that there is no requirement for them to compromise. There's no requirement for them at the end to say, you know, okay, now we both done these maps and these benefit Democrats or these benefit Republicans, or we believe they're fair, whatever it is, but we're required by statute or by law or by the constitution to come back and to really get this right together, that is missing here. And that is part of why this went then to the legislature to draw the lines. And frankly, I don't know how anybody in their, in their, you know, in, even in their most unbiased and, you know, ethical mind can think that they would not be influenced one way or another by political party if you're tasked with drawing the line. So I think that that, that if we had to focus on one thing, it would be that there's a flaw in the law since Andrew Cuomo was part of it. 
absolutely intentionally. And I think at the end of the day, that's something we could fix. Um, but, you know, well, and to be clear that-, that now with Democratic supermajorities in both houses of the legislature, that favored Democrats kick the process to the Democrats in the legislature. The problem was the maps turned out so gerrymandered that a court, you know, the court, uh, the, the highest court in New York, the Court of Appeals was, yeah. uh, you know, uh, knock them down. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the state Senate maps, just to be really specific mm-hmm. and technical, even though I'm sure I'm going to put people to sleep now, but the state Senate maps were uh, procedurally unconstitutional. The, con- the congressional maps were substantially unconstitutional. The difference being that the state Senate maps being procedurally unconstitutional meant that we would have had to vote them down a third time and didn't. Whereas the congressional maps, simply by the design, the actual way that they were drawn, makes them politically, quote unquote, from the court's you know, opinion, politically gerrymandered. And so, um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, we should we should all be thinking to ourselves, well, who had a role in drawing the congressional lines? I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, we'll, we'll have to dig into the the underlying meaning there. Uh, last couple of things. Um, do you the way you sit right now uh, here, as we said, Tuesday, May twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. Is there a chance you wind up running for reelection to the state senate? Is there any chance that you're doing more assessment of this race, and you know you're sort of thinking? boy, I don't want to be out of uh, elected office here, you know, come come next year. I'm doing a lot of good work only in, you know, barely two terms in the state Senate. And maybe you take another look there or is this 100 percent done deal? Let me say that um, everything I campaigned on in 2018, I have accomplished in the New York State Senate every single policy that I campaigned on. That is almost unheard of. And that is simply because we have a majority that has really worked around the clock to prioritize New Yorkers. Even in times when I don't agree with all the things that we do, we have actually done more. We did more in 2019 in that legislative session than any other legislative body in the country, in the history of this of this country. That is like, frankly, what anybody could hope and wish and pray for as a legislator, especially as a young legislator, especially as a freshman legislator. So it's not to say that there's not always work to be done, um, but I am running for Congress. I am not running for reelection to the state Senate. Um, I am really proud of my time in the state Senate. And I really want everyone to understand and know that um, my life is dedicated to taking on the difficult fights, the ones that are worth taking on, the ones that actually will set the course of, you know, where we're really trying to go, or at least where I believe we're really trying to go um, in a direction that I think is better for everyone. And I think that this fight is very, um, very much aligned with my values. And I also really frankly, do not believe that someone like, you know, the other person running in 17 um, should be should be running for a seat. I think you should be taking a seat. Um, and that's why I'm running in this election. And I'm excited to really do that. And, you know, for me, it's about taking that stand no matter what. All right. We're going to leave it there. Uh, I am getting an invitation out to Sean Patrick Maloney to also come chat. Um, so we'll see if he takes me up on that, but, uh, State Senator Alessandro Biaggi, thank you for taking the time. Uh, you are a state senator uh, right now and a congressional candidate in the newly drawn New York 17th District. Appreciate the time and thoughts and, uh, and be well. Thank you for having me.